The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to the Explorers podcast, where we like to catch up with junior companies with a good story to tell in the exploration and development space. Today, we're catching up with Neil Biddle. Neil is Managing Director of Greenvale Mining, which trades under the code GRV, or I'm going to say Gold Romeo Victor. Victor. It last traded at 12 cents for a market cap of $41 million. I'm sure Neil will be known to most listeners. A seasoned geologist, Neil started out in the Victorian goldfields and is perhaps now best known for having been the driving force behind Pilbara Minerals. Pilbara is now a $3.3 billion company and a, a global leader in lithium and tantalum production. Now, it wasn't all that long ago that Pilbara was a $10 million company and Neil had to work hard on educating the investment community here that there was an EV revolution coming that lithium-ion batteries would be fueling charge. Thanks to Neil's briefing in the early days, we all like to think now that we're experts on the lithium mineral precursor spodumene that Pilbara now mines. There are similarities with Neil's work at Greenvale. Neil is planning for near-term production from Greenvale's long-held Alpha Torbanite project in central Queensland. Now don't feel bad if like Garen Perro, up until recently, you have no idea what Torbanite is. Torbanite is not a shale or a coal. It's a mineral in its own right and seems of the stuff at Alpha make it the only quote-unquote commercial deposit left in Australia. Its usefulness comes from its ability to contain up to 650 litres of hydrocarbons per tonne, split into bitumen and light hydrocarbons. Greenvale is also involved in the exploration hunt for iron oxide copper gold discoveries undercover in the Georgina Basin to the east of Tennant Creek. The ground lease up there has got the likes of BHP, Newcrest and others excited as well. I'll stop there now and get Neil to take up the Greenvale story for us. Hi, Neil, and thanks for your time today. Hi, Barry. Thanks for having me. Right. First up, Neil, um, after the success at Pilbara and your involvement uh, more recently in establishing Barter Gold as uh, our next big gold producer in uh, WA, I assumed that you'd be taking your cruiser for a never-ending spot of uh, blue water fishing. But Greenvale's obviously got you excited. Tell us what it is that you like about the Torbanite story. Well, Barry, it's quite an unusual story in that I fell into uh, the Torbanite project. We were looking at Greenvale as a vehicle to vend our Georgina project into. We'd been developing the Georgina project over the last 18 months, pulling uh, quite a big ground position together. And we were starting to look for a listed home to to vend it into and Greenvale came up. When we first looked at Greenvale, it had a market capitalisation of around $2 million, less than $100,000 in the bank. And it had a torbanite project, the Alpha Torbanite project, in which no one seemed to be that interested in. And uh, I certainly wasn't interested in that type of mineralisation. But um, when we started looking at the company a bit closer, uh, 
SRK had been appointed by the then management of Greenvale to start looking at that Torbanite project because they had to spend some money on it or they were going to lose the licence. So SRK's petroleum people uh, had prepared a scoping study, among other things, they, they digitised geology, etc. And that scoping study, I, I almost couldn't believe it when I read it, but it indicated that the Torbanite project had the potential to be a, a, a billion dollar plus project over a 10 year mine life. And so I, I started to get into the detail of it, because clearly it, it wasn't something that we could just discard. And uh, that's when I uh, started to realise that Greenvale, which had held this project for 40 years, had done so for a, a very good reason, although the, the current management of Greenvale, the, the previous management to us, didn't really, I, I think, realise its potential. So uh, that, that was the start of the story, and uh, I've been very much involved with it over the last six months. Now, I understand you're looking at... Uh... Uh, potentially producing three products from uh, the Torbanite, um, uh, oil, bitumen and active, activated carbon. Now, we all know about oil, of course, but uh, what's the bitumen and activated carbon stories? Well, uh, the the hydrocarbons, uh, as you mentioned before, Torbanite contains around 60% hydrocarbon. So you can think of it as a, a carbon honeycomb with the uh, vesicles filled with hydrocarbons. Now, those hydrocarbons, in fact, torbanite has an SG of less than one. A lump of torbanite will float in water. Oh, right. mm-hmm. It appears as a solid rock, uh, but in fact, it's a, it's a hydrocarbon-loaded rock. The hydrocarbons are roughly around 60% asphaltines, which, are, which is bitumen, uh, and hence the name uh, asphalt's derived from the name of the hydrocarbon, and 40% light crude oil. The Since we've been involved in the market, getting involved in the marketing, potential marketing of bitumen, we find that the light crude oil goes with the bitumen in that one of the big products used by the uh, regional shires in Queensland is spray-on bitumen, and that's a combination of light crude and bitumen. Okay. So it's likely those products will stay together. Uh, and the carbon is the residue. Once the hydrocarbons are extracted from a torbanite through heating in a big oven called a retort, uh, the residual product is, is pure carbon, and that's the spent torbanite. And that product has a market ranging from products such as um, PCI coal, which is a metallurgical coal, mm-hmm. through to high-end activated carbon. Now, we've, we've got a lot of test work to do to get to a $2,500 a tonne activated carbon, if we, ever, if we do get there, in fact. Uh, so that test work is underway uh, very shortly. We're collecting bulk samples uh, next week, actually. And... Um, but activate the activated carbon market is very interesting. It's a high growth market. Activated carbons used primarily in um, in uh, air filtration, emissions control, water purification, which are big growth industries, of course. So 
there is a shortage, a global shortage of activated carbon, and interestingly, Australia imports most of its activated carbon requirements. It imports all its bitumen requirements and all its most of its light crude oil is imported as well. Yeah, so. yeah of course. So um, I guess people might say, uh, on a rev- is there any feel yet for what the revenue split might be uh, going forward? Is this really a bitumen project or is it really an activated carbon project or is it an oil project or is it all three, I guess? Bitumen will underpin mm. the project because bitumen is a staple. We're a country of roads and all our bitumen's imported. It's so it sells bitumen in Australia sells for between five and 600 Aussie a tonne. Uh, it comes out of the mega refineries in Southeast Asia at a, at a price that's uh, attached to the global oil price. So the local users of bitumen pay what the international price is at the at the source, which is the mega refineries, plus the cost of transport right. bitumen to Australia and heated tankers. So our point of um, of difference is that we're a local producer that can that can probably beat the imported price. Mm. The uh, transport cost then. Uh in heated vessels, uh, do you got any feel for what a, what cost per ton would be just on the just the transport from these mega refineries in Asia? Well, uh, the, the price of uh, a bitumen varies between it, it, it's around two sixty to three hundred US dollars x the refinery, right. so about four fifty Aussie, and mm. oh, no, sorry, about three fifty Aussie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the locals are paying 500 to 600 Aussie. So based on that, the cost to get uh, asphalt to asphalt plants in, in the Brisbane area would be about 150 Aussie dollars plus a margin for the importer, mm-hmm. okay. including the margin for the importer, I should say. So, yeah, it's, it's not, not cheap to no. transfer uh, bitumen a, a few thousand miles by sea. Yeah, okay. Now, if you could, uh, at this point, give us a timetable for the bitumen project or a likely timetable for the project, as well as a feel for the technology involved. I assume we're talking about simple retorting and refining plants? Yeah, well, retorts are basically just a big oven. And like every technology over the last 30, 40 years, um, uh, retorting's come a long way because of computerization. So the control over the retorting process uh, today is a lot greater than it was when the test work was done historically on Alpha, which was back in the 1980s primarily, mm-hmm. 1980s. Uh, look, the timing really is we need the next four or five months to complete a pre-fee study. The, there's a lot of drilling in Alpha, but we can't use the drilling, historical drilling, for a Jork compliant resource because the survey control over the uh, historical drilling just isn't good enough to stack up to Jork compliance. But we, we know where the torbanite is, so um, we've got the logs of the historical holes. So we have to go in and, and drill probably 20 holes. Mm-hmm. We've got a bulk sampling to do some modern retort testing. There has been a lot of testing historically, but it's all been at laboratory scale and, and they've produced the products you mentioned, bitumen, light crude, 
gas and uh, and carbon. All those products have been produced at lab laboratory scale. So we've got to do that at pilot scale. Uh, we've built uh, SRK, uh, have on our behalf built pilot retorts, and they are now being set up in a laboratory on the Gold Coast, and we are collecting the bulk sample next week to start that testing process. We'll, that'll run into a drilling program, and uh, with the studies that pilot scale studies will be extracting product to distribute to potential markets um, before the middle of the year. And that'll give us the, uh, the feed we need into a, a pre-fee study. And then the second half of the year, we'll be uh, doing final uh, studies and really getting in, into the environmental side of it and uh, the geotechnical side, finalising mine plans, et cetera, and getting approvals to, to start the project. All right. The revenue potential seems quite large. I was just wondering, though, what the capex, the commitment might be. Yeah, that's a good question. We the the geology and the mining of of it's a bit like the lithium in, in that regard. The geology and the mining are the easy bit. The, the 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 technical complexity comes in with the processing and the marketing. The processing. Uh, on face value is very simple because it's just a question of, of mining the torbanite, which is very shallow. It occurs between five metres and 50 metres below surface. So very straightforward, uh, shallow, open-cut strip mining, whereby you mine in strips 50 to 100 metres wide and, and then uh, reclaim as, as you proceed with the mining. So you end up with a, a fully... Uh, reclaimed a fully rehabilitated mine site so that side of it's very simple uh, as i say the complexity in the retorting on the face of it's quite straightforward because the hydrocarbons uh, extract at different temperatures so that is understood at laboratory scale at about 350 degrees the light crude oil comes out and that goes into a uh, its own distilling tank, and at about 550 degrees centigrade, the bitumen starts to come out and it's fully extracted at around 600 degrees centigrade. So that that aspect of it is very simple. Retorts aren't expensive. They're really just superheated ovens. So I think the oven might go to 300 degrees. We need something that goes to 650 degrees, so it's just bigger gas burners with computer controls so that you can control the temperature on the way up to make sure each phase of the hydrocarbons uh, is fully extracted before you move up to extract the next phase. That in itself is a fairly, um, that refines the products quite well in that the bitumen that we've seen in the lab test that's been produced is, is very high quality. So we're hoping that we don't need to do another step of refining. Mm. But that has to be tested, as I say, at pilot scale, and that work is about to happen. So we'll have an answer on that. So it, look, if we just have to build a retort and some distilling tanks, then it's pretty straightforward. If we have to take it to a, the level where we actually have to refine bitumen, we ha um, then that's going to add cost. And with the 
to produce activated carbon, which is taking the residual torbonite, the spent torbonite, to a level of purification, we don't have a handle on what that will cost. But it won't be cheap because the process involves washing the torbonite in superheated steam with nitrogen gas mixed in into the mix to get the super high temperatures. So it requires a very um, a resilient vessel, probably stainless 2202, mm. 2025 rather, and that can get quite costly. So we, we have to do the work to get the costs on that. If we're just producing bitumen light crew, mixing in with the bitumen into the, for, for the market and we're producing uh, the spent torbonite as a filler for metallurgical coal, then our capex will be quite low, I would say well under $50 million. Right. Okay. Interesting. Well, okay. Um, <clears throat> now, I better ask you about uh, Georgina Basin. You mentioned it was actually what attracted you to Greenvale as a vehicle in the first place. Uh, where's that at now, that project? We've got seven of nine tenements granted. So there's a, it's, we've got a, about a 5,000 square kilometre package out there. Uh, the two tenements that aren't granted are important tenements because uh, one in particular, the most western of the tenements, the one that's closest to Tennant Creek, contains identified iron oxide copper gold mineralisation. We have a geophysical, updated geophysical signature on that, which indicates previous work missed the target. They were too far west. Uh, so we've got a, a walk-up drill target on that uh, tenement. So that tenement, uh, we require a meeting with the native title group, the indigenous group that has the uh, land rights over that ground. We haven't been able to get that meeting on and because of COVID. Uh, of course. So Central Land Council is working on that. They're, they're, they don't... We haven't... We're not aware of any impediment. It's been historically held by mining companies, so we're not expecting any impediments there. There's no historical site, recorded historical sites on any of the grounds, so um, we're assuming it, that will happen. And so, but we've we've started work. We've flown uh, fifteen thousand line kilometres of Aeromag, and that is being processed now and we're waiting for the interpretation on that. Uh, the program really is to, we are focused on alpha, but we will continue to build up layers of data. We're gonna continue with geophysics programs uh, over the bulk of the ground. We're waiting on drill results. Geoscience Australia have drilled 12 holes out there, uh, mm -hmm. two, two on our ground and 10 on other ground. Uh, primarily Newcrest ground, but also uh, Middle Island and other companies that are out there. So it's been a big exploration initiative by Geoscience Australia and the Northern Territory Geological Survey. There's, it, it's a, there's a long-held theory that the IOCG belt between, or the, uh, the IOCG mineralisation at Tennant Creek and at uh, Mount Isa it, is joined through a number of structures that are continuous below the, um, within the Georgina Basin and below the Barclay Tableland. 
the Barclay Tablelands, the surface expression of the Georgina Basin in that area, mm. based on historical geophysics from oil and phosphate exploration. So that's the theory, and, and they've been, Geoscience Australia and NT Survey have been uh, interpreting all the historical geophysical data using the latest technology, and um, it certainly looks like that there's going to be a lot of targets generated out there. It's a pretty exciting project. Mm. So pretty much frontier stuff, but uh, potentially a big prize at the end. Well, that's it. It's high risk, high reward, but it's, uh, I mean, that's that's the business we're in. So gives you a nice nice mix with the, you know, the Torbanite project and potential there for stable and quite large um, cash flows given the vis a vis the Greenvale's market cap, but then uh, the blue sky upside from uh, Georgina. So. Well, well and truly diversified, you couldn't get to <laughs> That's very true. All right, now you've given us a, a great rundown there. Um, fascinating story both with the Tour of Night and the Georgina. So I uh, wish you uh, best of luck with it all and uh, hope to speak to uh, you again soon. Cheers, mate.